0: get started. Uh, This is the first week of a four-week series that Dr. Greg Lenville is going to lead us in. Its major theme is coming from the book of Acts, chapters 9 through 22, and in particular the concepts of discipleship, mentoring, and leadership, as we learn from from his teaching. So in that sense, let, let us bow our heads. FATHER, WE ARE SO PLEASED TO HAVE DR. Linville TODAY, AN EXECUTIVE DIRECTOR IN SPORTS MINISTRY. AND TODAY IS SUPER BOWL SUNDAY, AND SO OFTEN WE GET CAUGHT UP IN THE NEGATIVISM OF SPORTS AND THE LACK OF COMPASSION. BUT THERE SEEMS TO ME TO BE A a, a GREAT IMAGE ON THE FOOTBALL FIELD WHERE GROWN MEN CHASE ANOTHER MAN WITH A FOOTBALL. And he can give it off and change the direction of their lives. They turn and they go the opposite way. And isn't that a wonderful lesson in grace? As we study today about leadership, we can think of that image. We ask your blessing on this time. And help us see in our everyday living those principles. And help us be willing to step up and carry that ball. And let us know also that we can hand it off to you, and that all will be well. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Dan. Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and if you read it in the repository yesterday, Does God Care Who Wins? Uh, We could spend all morning talking about that, uh, but I'm going to try to stick on the topic, if if we can... Do that today, we're, we're going to be doing well, I think. I, I'm going to propose to you something that I think is maybe a little bit different than I would think most of us think about or how we perceive people in the New Testament, the book of Acts, and that is that we think in this hierarchy, there was Jesus. And then we kind of go to maybe Mary or Paul, and whichever one of those doesn't make your second, then that other one becomes a third. And maybe Peter, for some, might bump Mary a little bit if if Protestants tend to not venerate her as much as does the Catholic tradition. And then we get down to maybe James and John, you know, the, 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 the twins and... And they were disciples, and then James, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, And somewhere down the line, we can't figure out if it's Paul having Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas. And Barnabas and Silas get mixed up all the time. And I'm going to propose to you today that I think outside of the Lord Jesus himself, Barnabas was the most influential figure in all of Christendom. And once you start to see this through the scriptures, I I think you might agree with me. But I I can at least say that for those of you that want to stick with Paul, I get that. Because obviously he wrote a lot of the New Testament. But we're going to take a look primarily in this study through the eyes of the scripture into Barnabas' life, and I think we'll learn some things from there. Okay, now, what I'm going to... Help you do right now is I want you to around your table. Just get to know each other for a quick minute and share What were your nicknames growing up? Did you have a nickname? All right? So just around your table Introduce yourselves and what what was your nickname? Come on rich get a table Oh, is that right?
0: For the most part it was Mo. Cobra. Cobra. Because I was kind of a defensive guy <laughs> and I, my my skin was very low. So I was
1: the Cobra guy. Wow. nickname In terms of your faith life, what would it be? Might be a little harder. What would be the nickname that the apostles would give you? in terms of your spiritual life, your faith life. Go to it. No.
0: Dave, what, Dave, what was your nickname growing up? Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, what I want us to do is I want us to turn to Acts chapter 4 and let's learn about a nickname. This is, a, this is one you're going to really need a Bible. I don't care if it's electronic, get your iPad out or whatever, but there's Bibles that, on your table. Acts, which is the fifth book of the New Testament, comes after the four Gospels, and it is written by Luke. Luke was a convert to Christianity, probably from the Macedonian area, northern Greece, and he was a physician by trade, and he set out to write the gospel, and he was really influenced by Paul, and really the gospel of Luke is Paul's gospel. And then he was going to write a couple other books, of which we have one, Acts, and these are the Acts of the Apostles. And he, you can tell the first part of the of this writing it was all to it was all through rather research that he had done had a lot of information from a man that we're going to read about who had been raised in the um, Herod's household I was a foster son of Herod got a lot of information from from Manan. he got a lot of information from Mary He got a lot of information from from a number of sources. And so the first part of of the book of Acts, you're going to see very strong. It's just historical stuff that he researched and put down. And then it kind of switches to an eyewitness account when he starts to hang out with Paul and Barnabas and these guys. And you start to see him really then kind of shift even how he's writing it. So it was written over a number of months, if not years, and it was written by this Greek physician who had come to faith in Christ. And he really had an appreciation for all of these different apostles. In chapter 4 of Acts, if you look at starting uh, in verse 30, let's, let's go to verse 36. Now this is just... Where the New Testament Church and Jerusalem has come together and they started to get into communism. Uh, now don't think of China or or Soviet Union ch- communism, but this was this was more of a we're gonna try to do everything together as one. And as it turned out, that didn't work so well. But this is what they were doing. They were selling things and giving it to the to the church leaders. So in verse 36 it says. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, now, what do you know from that passage about Barnabas? Just anybody. A priest. He was what? A priest. He was from the priestly line of Aaron that became the Levites. And so whether he was a priest or not, probably not, but that was his family. It would be like, you know, our pastors of our church, their children are obviously raised in a pastor's home. And so there is, and Dave, you can talk about this as well as anybody, but there sometimes is a, maybe a subtle pressure on our children you know, I was on the staff of a church for a long time. You could talk to that, right, Jim, a little bit? I spent most of my life trying to disprove it. Yeah. And and there is that sense. And so here is Barnabas, who is brought up in this huge tradition. The Levitical, remember one of the one of the tribes was the Levites, that's who became the the Religious workers, if you will, of Jerusalem and of, of the Jewish faith wherever they went. So there's a subtle pressure that's going on there. So, right, what else did, can you tell by this passage, by this little scripture here? Barnabas is his real name. It's not even his real name. I never knew that. Yeah. It's a nickname. It is. And what is the nickname? Son of encouragement. Now, in in my tradition of of a Celtic background, if you are Mick, you're a son of. Or Nick is a daughter of, all right? And so if in this case, in the in the Hebrew tradition, Bar is the word for son. So he's the son of encouragement. And the word, if you go into the Greek there, is the same one that is used in other passages in the New Testament that are, is used for the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to encourage us so this was not just a kind of a, a highfalutin kind of whimsical thing that you've got like Rich and I were talking about playing basketball together and people give each other names of what they can or can't do on a basketball court this was very significant they saw Barnabas in such a light that they said he's like the Holy Spirit. You were going to say something, Jack. No,
0: oh, I'm shocked. That's great.
1: I mean... I can go home now. I've learned. Be my guest. You may... The, do you get the significance of that? That the disciples, the apostles, that had been with Jesus, are saying he's like the Holy Spirit and how much he encourages us well we could all stop right there we, we've, if, if, if people can't say that about us that our, our faith makes such a difference that everybody around us feels encouraged okay it's here, I don't, it's hitting me here, I don't know about you but we've got to be more of that, what else, do you, what else can you learn go ahead Son of encouragement. The bar mean, thats the word in the Hebrew for son of. So the Nabas comes with that that encouragement, and it's the same Greek word. You can find the same there as you can in the in the Gospels where it says that the Holy Spirit. That's the same exact uh, words in the Greek. What else? What else can we learn from this? Certainly generous because, all right, and probably wealthy because he's a landowner. And where is he a landowner of? Cyprus. What do we know about Cyprus? Alright, let's take a take a look at our map. And you see where Turkey is, right below that's a little island there, and that's Cyprus. Anybody been to Cyprus? Cyprus is in the Mediterranean Sea. And what do we know about islands in the Mediterranean? <laughs> I want to be there? Ah. <laughs> and islands in general are places of wealth. There, because you ha- have to have some money to be able to live there for a lot of reasons. They're usually a beautiful place, and obviously this has got great weather where it's at. I- I'll give you, that gives you the whole Mediterranean Sea. You can see this in a little bit more of a close-up in terms of where it was in proximity to Jerusalem, Nazareth, and then up into the Syrian area, and Cilicia, and Tarsus, where Paul was born at. All right, so we know he's an island guy. We know that he's wealthy. We know that he's sold this and that he's given it to the church. What else can we tell from the scripture? He made a sacrifice, which is he's giving up this and going there. And what is, it, what is, it, what is he sacrificing for? What's the sacrifice for? He knows something about Jesus. Who wants to fill that out a little bit more? How did the message get there? Well, we're going to come to some of that as we go through this, but it's a great question. And it's also sometimes that it's not only how it goes there, but sometimes when people come to Jerusalem. And what we're going to find is a couple of uh, interesting connections here in the Scripture that are going to take us and find out how it went both ways. You're very astute. The Word has to go there, and sometimes people from there go, and like our exchange students or other people that come here to America can hear about the gospel here and take it back. And so we're going to see that very astute. What else can you tell from this passage about Barnabas? Be involved in
0: their process, the apostles' mission, work.
1: Uh-huh. That's why he sacrificed because he believed in something.
0: Maybe he was trying to develop a relationship with them?
1: Absolutely. He was building into them. Keep going. I'm curious about work. We'll go over here and then come back Jack. Go ahead. He's totally What's that? He's totally oh, totally Yeah, yeah. Very committed. Very committed. Go ahead, Jack. Say that again.
0: The apostles, it says here, the apostles gave...
1: That's right. There's some relationship there. And so one of the things that we don't know from the scripture, so it makes me a little cautious, but there seems to be good indications from outside of scripture that he was one of the 70 that was sent out two by two, and that he had come to some encounter with Jesus and had come to say, this is something we've got to really get behind. Well, the sections right before this Uh talk about others selling their land. Uh Do you suppose Barnabas went somewhere off the island to deliver this money to the feet of the apostles? Oh, I think he had to. Yeah, I think he had to go to Jerusalem. So how would he have learned about all these others who were doing this to help the poor? We're going to hold on to that tension a little bit because you, that'll come through as we go through the Scripture. It's, it's the right question, though, but we're coming to that. Let me, let me just give you a couple thoughts here. One of the interesting things about this, unless you know about the Levitical traditions, you probably don't know, and you, don't, you can't get this from the Scripture itself. You have to understand the traditions and the background of this, that the Levites were landless. They did not own land. Remember that when the 12 tribes went in, they didn't own land. They could not own land. They were supported by everybody else for their ministry, so to speak, in the temple and other things. Now, it it does seem to there's a couple places and and that's that's I need I need a couple volunteers to help us with this, all right? Who would who would Get Acts 12.12, 12. chapter 12, verse 12. Who would, who would get that for us? We're going to ask you to read out loud. So, okay, 12.12 12 over there. Colossians 4.10. Colossians 4.10. we got one over here. Numbers in the Old Testament. Numbers 18.12. 18.12 for Numbers. Who's doing that one? Numbers, anybody? we got one back there, all right? And Deuteronomy ten nine. Deuteronomy ten nine. All right. All right. Any, any of you that's ready, just go ahead and. Rich, I think is going to bring. We need the, the mics. Yeah, here. yeah. All right, and you have. X
0: I have X 12, uh, twelve. 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 Uh, When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying.
1: Okay, so the mother of John Mark, this would be the John Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark. Okay? Now, who's got Colossians 4.10? We're all the way over here, Rich. You're going to get a workout. (laughs) What we're going to help you see is when you piece all these scriptures together, you get a fuller concept of this.
0: I ended up with one with a very difficult name to pronounce. Okay, it's okay. (laughs) My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas.
1: You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Okay, what does that say about this John Mark? He's the cousin of Barnabas. All right, now let's put these together. John Mark's mom had a house in Jerusalem that was so big that they could hold the church there. And this is Barnabas' cousin. So, how did this come and go? Barnabas can come to Jerusalem. They've got family there. They've got riches there. Okay? Now, who's got the numbers passage? Now, these two are going to not be about Barnabas specifically, but about the Levites.
0: And I give you all the best olive oil and all the best new wine and grain. This is what the Israelites give to me, the Lord, from the first crops they harvest.
1: I don't know if that's the right passage or not. 1812? Yeah, I I might have the wrong.
0: 1820 is what it says in
1: here. Yeah, 1820. I gave you the wrong one. I'm sorry.
0: The Lord also said to Aaron. You will not inherit any
1: of the land, and you will not own any land among the other people. I will be yours out of all the Israelites, Israelites. only you will inherit me. All right, so the Levites don 't have the land now who 's got the last one there? Deuteronomy Ten, ten, nine, I think. He might have it over here. Do you have
0: it right. Do you have it? I stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights, as I had done the first time. And once again the Lord listened to me. The Lord was unwitting unwilling to destroy you. The Lord said to me, Get up, go on your journey as the head of the people, and that they may go in and obey the land. Occupy the land, and I swore to their ancestors to give them.
1: Le- what? What's that? 12:12 in Acts. Yeah. What What do we got? It says, "Be joyful
0: there in His presence, together with your children, your servants, and the Levites who live in your towns. Remember that the Levites will have no land of their own." Good. Thank you.
1: So you've got the idea that the Levites, from which Barnabas, that's his family. This is, this is a very hard thing. And, and again, some of us that, that can share stories about either we've been raised in the, in the pastor's home, or we've been knowing friends that were, there's these issues And in my years of counseling students, I I trained ministers for decades. There's people in those classes that are there because they think they're supposed to do that because they were raised in a home, that the mom or dad was a pastor or something, and so this is what I'm supposed to do, even though they're not supposed to. That's not their calling. And then there are people that should have been, but they've tried to distance themselves. And you get this sense. We all try to figure out where we're going on these things. And, and now we're focusing on the ministry side of it, but it could be any occupation. It could be any calling, any, any voc- vocation. The children feel this subtle, I'm supposed to do what mom or dad did. And they have to find their own way. But you can at least sense here that there is something that's gone on in this man Barnabas because he's raised in this very religious tradition, Jews of of, of Jews, and he is raised in the ministry side of it, and he's got to try to figure out. And he now in kind of midlife has begun to say, I need to rethink this. Jerry, what are you going to say?
0: It, so was a paid
1: <laughs> <laughs> But I but I heard kind of a uh, a backhand compliment of of how well you can preach.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anybody who was here last summer uh, knows that Jim can preach. But you get this I want I want to try to plant this concept of Barnabas in your mind of, of how this how who this person is. Go ahead, Jack. Okay, all right. All right. Now, I want us to move from there, but f- part of what I want us to do in a, in a maybe a, a moment of silence, a, a minute or so of silence, is for your personal reflection on this. I know that one of the things where we're going to go probably next month, that Dan and I have talked about, is a little bit of a a, a Celtic spirituality. And Dave has just been over to Scotland and been to some of those places and even some of the the deeper spirituality places in America. We need to take this in and reflect on it. It's got to be more than information. Hopefully what we do here is gain information that leads to transformation. And then the transformation leads to a formation of what we're supposed to do every day in our lives. So what I'd like you to reflect on, are you willing to sacrifice your current situation, as did Barnabas? Is it possible that God is calling someone here today, midlife, to a ministry or mission. Maybe that's going to happen. And maybe there will be a new Bill Yoder that comes out of our congregation. Who's going to be the next one that we send? Or, that's kind of maybe on a macro, but on a a micro, what what is the Holy Spirit saying to your heart about how you can serve this church? There's a lot of volunteer positions that need to be filled. There's responsibilities that need to be filled. Just a little bit of silent reflection on your in your own heart. Lord Jesus, we know that you work with us each individually, and yet you call us corporately as well. I pray that as you speak to us, each one of us, that we could not only hear, but that you would give us the strength to follow in whatever capacity it is that you're asking us to join in in your movement here. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, now... I'm not sure if Barnabas gave everything. The, 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 the pro side of that would seem that, that even though the scripture does not indicate that he, um, it doesn't, it, it's not quite saying that he gave everything, but yet it would seem that when he and Paul went back to Cyprus on the first missionary journey, that he didn't own any land at that point. It does seem to indicate that he does, but the scripture's a little bit ambiguous, so on the con side of this, I'm not sure, but we do know that he made a sacrifice, at least in terms of his time and his effort, and that he was willing now to go full bore. All right, so what does that mean, then? Let's take a look at, we're going to start now in chapter 5, and we're going to do a survey, so get to Acts chapter 5, and we're just going to see some things that go on. In chapter 5, this is where other people, Ananias and Sapphira, sold things, and they said that they gave it all, but they really didn't. And remember what happened to them. And then the, the, the apostles, this would be Peter and James, John, these guys, they're arrested, and they're told not to speak about Christ. And then in verse 33 of chapter 5, the, the great uh, teacher, the great rabbi Gamaliel says, hey, hold on, if this is of God, we don't want to be stopping it. You can't stop it anyway. And if it's not, it's going to fade. And so they kind of listened to him on that one. And by the way, Gamaliel was the rabbi who was teaching both Paul and Stephen. So they were both under his teaching. He was a very wise and respected person. Then they have this problem with the Hellenist in chapter uh, chapter 6, verse 1. If you look there you're going to see that the Hellenists come back into play. And these were the, the Greeks that were coming to faith. And they're saying, you know what, we're part of this church, we've sacrificed, we've given our money, we're part of this communistic way of approach to this now, but our people aren't being taken care of. And so the disciples say, okay, Name your people and go serve them, right? And if you look uh, in verse four, it says that they're supposed to get men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And then in verse five, it says, and they chose Stephen. So now Stephen takes precedence in Luke's writings and all through chapter seven is his trial, his preaching of of the word of God and what, what happened historically. And then, at the end of chapter 7, in verse 54 and following, you see that he was martyred. Now, another interesting note here is that Stephen was probably a nickname as well. Because that means, today, if, if Muhammad Ali walked in, people would call him the champ. Stephanos is the Greek word for the one who received the crown in the athletic games. And so he probably was a wrestler from all the extra-biblical data that we have, knowing that his name in the Bible, that he was into athletics, he was was probably a wrestler, and he was a champion wrestler. And you can almost see this in him, can't you? That he comes out, and he's battling very strongly, and he loses his life. And then we go to chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, Stephen's death. Saul, we know, was the Hebrew name for who we call Paul. So this was before his Christianity, before Paul's Christianity, and it was now, he was Saul. And and if you look down, it says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church at Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. So this persecution that broke out after Stephen's martyrdom very very much caused and run through by Paul who was Saul then and then in verse 4 it says those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word and then it goes into Philip and the and the here's Philip's story so you can again see how Luke is getting all these apostles all these disciples, all these missionaries put out there and they're reaching different people. And then in chapter 9 you see Saul who's on his way up to Damascus to persecute and throw people in, in, in jail, these Christians. Now you see that he has this what we've always heard of, the Damascus Road experience, where he is blinded Jesus speaks to him and says, what are you doing? And He's like completely baffled. They take him into Damascus. Now, how would you like to be this Ananias? Here's a guy who has killed people, thrown people into prison, and God says to you, I want you to go to him. He needs to be baptized, he needs to be welcomed into the faith. He's one of mine now. What did I eat last night before I went to bed? (laughs) God, are you crazy? You think God may be crazy in that moment of reflection just a little bit ago for asking you to to think about doing... This is putting his life on the line crazy. Now we find out that he does. He baptizes him. And now in verse 20 of chapter 9, he immediately preached the Christ where? Where? not in a Christian church, that didn't exist yet, in the synagogue. That he was the son of God. And they say, how's this for an understatement? Those who heard were amazed. Is this not he who destroyed those who were called on this name in Jerusalem, who came here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? Then... Uh, we see that he it says many many days he was there for a long time and he's getting more and more bold and so now they want to kill him and so he escapes in verse 23 24 25 now we're at 26 and it says when Saul had come to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him duh And did not believe that he was a disciple. He's just trying to infiltrate us. This is what they're thinking. He's trying to infiltrate us. But now who took him? The son of encouragement. He has a faith so strong that he's willing to deal with this guy. And he's willing to bridge this gap. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now let's put it in our context. And who is President Obama? Or the governor of the state? Or the mayor of the city? Or who? Anybody that's in some sort of a position where they make decisions, and you've got this person over here that has got this really bad reputation, and they they want to meet with whoever that leader is, but they're they're even like scared of this person because, again, let's put it in a modern. Uh, situation that this is, this is a v- known terrorist and murderer you're not going to meet with that person how did that meeting take place because Peter and James the half brother Jesus James so trusted Barnabas that they were willing to meet with Paul you get that significance of how influential he really was? And let's keep looking at this. Then Paul just kind of wells up, and, and he is now in Jerusalem, and he is preaching boldly. Verse 29, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenist. All right, now let's connect those dots. What do we know about the Hellenists? We just read that they were doing what? They were complaining to the disciples about what? That their people weren't being cared for. And who was one of their, who was the leader of the Hellenist group? Stephen remember stephen, this guy was the was the leader, and what happened to Stephen? He was killed, he was martyred by by Paul. You start to connect the dots. these hellenists and Paul don't get along real well and so. This is a a building tension that is happening. And so they attempt to kill Paul. And they got him out and sent him to Tarsus. Now on a map, you can see Tarsus. That's where Paul was born and raised. That's a fur piece on foot. And even by, by going by the sea, from where Paul's at in Jerusalem, up now to Tarsus. And what we're beginning to see is that that they're saying, you know what? Okay, Paul, you're you're okay, but we got to get you out of here because you're 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 still this rebel rouser, and and you're making you're turning people away, and and these people are not liking you for your own good, for everybody's good. Let's get you out of here. Okay, then chapter ten we get Peter. And remember, he has the vision, you can eat the unkosher food, and this whole deal that's going on. And he has that deal going on. And now let's turn to chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose from Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia... Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch when he came and had seen the grace of God he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord all right now what are we learning there Some of your questions are answered, right? How did the gospel get to Cyprus? Well, here. And some of those people had come to Antioch and heard it there. That's why I said when I answered, you know, going back and forth. What else? Yeah, Thank right. Exactly, there's, there's this whole concept that's gonna, that you're going to start to see emerging. Do you have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian? And this is going on. And you're going to see this continuing on. What does this say to us about Barnabas? Huh? You don't have to, you don't have to yeah, in terms of that argument. You don't have to become a Jew. I'm asking for the sense of Barnabas was the one that was sent. What does that mean? He was incredibly trusted. He was incredibly trusted. Now, this is kind of like if Christ's church decides that they're gonna plant another church, and all of a sudden, this thing is like growing like crazy, the new church. And then it starts to filter back. You know what they're doing? They're raising their hands and jumping up and down during a worship service. Wait a minute. Uh, We gotta. Who can we send up there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who
1: can who can we send up there? Somebody was trustworthy. Somebody who they believed in so much that they knew what? That he was certainly strong in his faith. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was part of the Levitical background. Here's a guy who knew all of Judaism, but they also knew him to be one who could really see the possibilities of how God could work in people's lives that maybe was not not quite traditional. Still orthodox. Orthodox not in the orthodox faith, but the orthodox belief about Christ and belief about all that the Scriptures had to say. And you begin to see that there's this relationship that is really very incredible. Okay, it also says in here that there's these people that in verse 19 they were scattered after what? after what happened? after the persecution and sometimes we look at persecution as being really bad and it is but sometimes we know that when that happens the seeds of the faith go all around the world I was in Australia last summer working with some churches down there and I got the chance to preach at Chinese churches. Now, my wife and I, you we thought we were in China. You could drive for miles, and there was nothing. But Chinese folk everywhere. All the language on the, on the, on the billboards and on the storefronts. And, and I, I just, I didn't, I would never have guessed that. But the immigration that has come out of Hong Kong, because of of the communist takeover, when they knew that that was gonna happen, many of them left. And suddenly, there's this huge Christian population now in Sydney, Australia, that's growing the church. It's phenomenal what's going on there. We think of persecution as being bad, it is. But God is redeeming God. And those things that happen in our life, He's going to redeem them if we allow Him to do that. Go ahead, Jerry. Now, what I, want, what I want us to see, excellent point. I want us to see something in verse 25. Now, this comes after Barnabas has gone up and saw this great thing. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. All right, now I have a couple questions to ask you. How did the church in Antioch start? What do we know from what we've read today? Verse 19. They were scattered because of the persecution. How did the church at Antioch start? That these people went there, and where else did they go? Cyprus, Cyrene, some of these other places. And now some of those people who had been converted on those, in those places are now coming to Antioch. And they're forming a church. Now, I want you to... We're going to keep your finger there, but I want you to look at chapter 13, verse 1. This is going to help us. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Now, here's the list. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with the Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. This church was multi-staff. This church was diverse. It had black and white, Jew, Gentile, all these different people. A perfect model for the staff of a church. But now we see that Lucius came from Cyrene. Barnabas had come from Cyprus. You can begin to see where this is going. See where it says in verse 19 of, of chapter 11 that they came from all these places. Verse 20, they came from Cyprus and Cyrene. They had come to Antioch. So there's a church in Antioch that has been started as a result of the persecution going out and people coming to faith, and they come together in Antioch. Who is on the staff of that church? Five men, right? The one that's always listed first is the most important, so that's Barnabas. Paul is the least important of the five, but he's one of the five. Now connect the dots for me about Paul and this church. And how did that church get started? From who? From Paul. Do you get that? The very church that he became a staff member on, a pastor of, a prophet on, would never have existed had he not persecuted the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And we talk about a God who's a redeeming God. And not only did that church then become the church that hired him, if you will, to be on their staff, but then they separated he and Barnabas out, we'll learn later, to go become missionaries to the world. Paul would never have been a missionary had not he persecuted the church to start that church. And we think we can't be accepted by Christ to go do powerful things for him? Because we've done something wrong or we've not done something like we should. All right, we need to land this plane. What questions do you have or thoughts or... How much older would you suggest that Barnabas was than Saul? Ten ten years. Ten years. Yeah. About ten years his senior. Anything else? We're sitting here in stunned belief. What? Yeah, as soon as as Barnabas saw this church, he said, this is the right place for Paul. And as we think about Pastoral staffs and churches, we, we, there has to be a match. They have to fit together in order for it to work. And Barnabas got it. He said, these guys that are there, they're doing well, but this is really Paul. This is who Paul is. And remember, Paul is this fibrin that has been basically banished. And they're saying it's for your own good. And it was, but it was also for the good of the church. He needed to go get mature. So Barnabas would see that in Paul absolutely good, good insight information leading to transformation that helps us go form whatever we need to do. It's got to be. It can't stop here. We can't just have an intellectual assent to these things of faith. It has to transform us from within so that we can go out. Anything else? Alright, we're going to continue the next few weeks with Barnabas. We're going to see some of the things that happen. We're going to learn a lot more about how all these dots come together. and Hopefully, when we're done with it, you're going to at least be closer to agreeing with me that Barnabas was the most important person in the New Testament outside of Jesus. All right? Thank you.